Hi, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Two Gays. One episode. I'm Alex. And I am Goat Jesus. And today we're going to be covering three episodes of our favorite show in the whole wide world, Neon Genesis Evangelion, episode 7, 8, and 9. Uh, yeah. Oh, two gays, three episodes, huh? Okay. So. Yeah, we basically covered, like, multiple episodes every time we've done this, so whatever. <laughs> yes. Primarily. And it's been we... all the more informative for it. Exactly. So. People should appreciate it. They're getting extra value. Um, primarily, we are going to focus on Oscar Strikes, though. That is the one that we have chosen. That is the destined episode. <sighs> the really important one. Yes. Very much so. Thank you for yawning. <laughs> <laughs> I just woke up not too long ago, so you'll have to forgive me if I... Uh... I'm still waking up to the beautiful day. Okay. So the reason we wanted to cover episode seven is because it's one of the episodes you feel is underappreciated, I believe. is. Yeah, I mean, everyone says that episode seven is uh, the worst episode of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, but I think Magma Diver or the recap episode is, is probably the actual worst. Uh, I even think this episode's a little bit more entertaining than um, something like the day Tokyo 3 stood still, honestly. Uh, it's not too, too bad. It it gets it gives a lot of screen time to Misato and Ritsuko, and this is the first Misato-Ritsuko-centric episode, which would later happen again with the, the hacking one, where they hack. Yes, uh, that's, that's a Ritsuko the angel. This is more or less the first Ritsuko episode. She hasn't really done anything up to this point. Um, yes. I wouldn't even say this is a Ritsuko episode necessarily, though, because she's just kind of lurking in the background. But she, we do find out more about her, I'd say. I made notes. Yeah, I mean... As usual. There, there is... There, there is a kind of... Okay, so the military puts her down, and she's just like, the Ava units are amazing, and you guys are such, like, toxic masculine asshats, and so I'm gonna, like burn some documents and maybe <laughs> set off some nukes in, inside the, I'm gonna, like, the robot hack project and make it look <laughs> shitty yeah <laughs> yeah and it's and basically uh the robot jet alone is going on a rampage and who has to help it's misato and shinji so shinji uses ava unit one and puts misato into jet alone to deactivate the nuclear cores and uh save the day and so yeah though they actually have, don't do anything <laughs> we <laughs> we have a really tense episode with misato and she's actually like active during a kind of like big action set piece instead of just being at nerve hq and uh, kind of giving orders so that's cool that she has like first-hand experience on the battlefield so to speak she gets to get her hands dirty though yes. i'm not wrong right like she doesn't actually accomplish anything <laughs> I, what do you mean i she put pulls the button she pushes the she, she pushes, pushes the a button, off button and it doesn't work and then the machine shuts off automatically because that's how Ritzko programmed it i'm pretty sure am i well, wrong well you know uh i think that's correct but you know she she really 
you know, it was. She got into the go- action. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not just. I'm not. Um, naysaying what you're saying. I'm just. I'm just. It's just really funny that there's all this action that happens, but it would have happened anyway because Ritzko programmed it to work this way. Misato's a girl boss. Ritzko's a girl boss. They're taking names. They're. Uh, <laughs> They're, they're gatekeeping. It's one just... One thing I think, I will say, one thing I think is very important in this episode. They're not gatekeeping. What the hell are you even talking about? <laughs> one thing I will say is very important is Ritsko shows that she's willing to keep secrets from Masato. I think that is the singular most important thing in this episode. Is that she has a secret plan with Gendo. Masato doesn't know about it. And she never finds out about it. I think we also get... Is this the first time we hear about mass production AVA units? I think this is the first time we hear about the AVA units beyond unit one even actually yeah so we expand the world uh we expand our consciousness we've opened our third eye and uh i just feel i just feel like this episode isn't as bad as people say it is uh so it's pretty decent one thing i should mention is this episode was written by ano and yoji and okido who also wrote the day the Tokyo 3 stood still. And there's a lot of, I believe, you might know better than me, I'm not too sure about this, but there's a lot of film references in this episode, like Masato's outfit yeah, the, and the, the, the poles. It's they're, 2001. They're it's, it's um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's like, uh, there's this movie which has to do with pulling, like, nuclear kind of tubes um, out of something. And it's like, uh, Gosh, it's it's something called like. I'm just wait one second. I I'm did, gonna Google. I did my research and made my notes. Well, I wasn't expecting you to ask a film question uh, about this. Uh, let's see. Um, uh. Jeez. Um. I. I referenced this in one of my YouTube videos. No. I'm going to look myself up one second. Uh, Okay, cut. (laughs) One second. What is this? What is this? I sound so much younger in this video. Um... Oh, those bygone days. What is this? Oh, the man who stole the sun. That's what it is. Oh, okay, okay. okay. So. Three, two, one. And another patented two gays, three episode cut so that we could research something that we didn't do before we started recording. Uh, What's the movie called? You're not, called? Al- you're not allowed to put that in. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, the I'm movie. Editing. I'm editing this. I can put in whatever I want. <laughs> Chetalone references the film The Man Who Stole the Sun, which is about uh, nuclear disarmament and like kind of like a sci-fi setting. It's from 1979. And when Misato enters the Chetalone robot, it's pretty much exactly like the the movie where uh, there's a scene where like a guy like disarms some nukes or nuclear tubes and it's it's kind of the same deal. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, a Japanese movie that references uh, nuclear destruction. I, I can't believe it. I wonder why. I don't know. It's so that like a, all a, a key part of their history or something? <laughs> Is there something we're missing here? 
<laughs> I think one thing that struck me about this episode, though, just the in terms of the pacing and the, um, the structure of it, is it almost seems like it should have come before Ray. Ray almost feels like a more final yeah it does it does this one feels like it should have taken place probably um i think right before before ramiel comes in yeah you know i think i think it should have been episode five and then ray should have been six seven i think that would have made a lot more sense maybe there would have maybe there was some like production stuff going on but yeah that's what i mean is like yeah it's 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 sort of jet alone is weirdly the end of the first arc but it yeah. feels like it should have been just a smidge earlier so we could have had ray uh kind of mark the end point like ray smile and before oscar yeah. comes in before and shakes everything in. up because ray's not even in up. this episode really i don't think no not really um she's in the opening also also we get the Shinji mug from this episode, yes, I think. this is the Shinji meme. I noticed that when I was watching. Yeah, when he's just staring at her, staring at Masato ominously, like, what have you done in your life to get to this point? And he's just holding the mug. I don't know if that's a meme. Is that a meme outside of you editing pictures? I'm not yeah. into this sort of thing. Okay. <laughs> it's it's like a larger cultural meme, yeah. Oh, okay. The Shinji I just, mug. No, I just know it's... the Shinji mug with Shinji holding the mug inside the mug, and then there's another <laughs> mug with Shinji holding the mug inside that mug. That's my favorite one. I like that one a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Uh, but yeah, uh, even some normies know what Shinji mug is. It's one of the most iconic uh, pieces of Neon Genesis anything. So... <laughs> And it's thanks to Jet Alone, so another reason why Jet Alone isn't as terrible. I will say, I got the feels at the end of this episode. TM, the feels. When, uh, uh, there's almost like an emotional arc for Shinji in this episode. That's not as strong as some of his other emotional arcs, but it it almost, um, not concretifies. That's not a word. Concretifies. It solidifies. Solidifies. There we go. It solidifies. The brother-sister kind of relationship that Masato and Shinji have, and Shinji realizes at the end, like, when he's talking to his meathead friends, where they're like, uh, he, he's like, oh, I hate her, she's such a bore, and she she embarrasses me, and they're like, oh, we're so jealous, he's like, why would you be jealous of that? And they're like, well, that's she, you get to see that side of her, it's because she's like your family, and he's like, oh, family? And then he has this, like, nice Kazoku. moment. Kazoku? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So... <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it. It, you know, in a, in a kind of way, I guess it does sort of bookend the, uh, first episode in some ways. That is with, true. Uh, Misato getting, like, kind of introduced as this, as the first character, even before Rei, and kind of, like, how, yeah. She's the uh, Misato, Misato and Shinji are going to, they, they're going to have, like, a little bit of a, uh, uh, a little bit of some tumbles, you know, as they're getting used to becoming a family over time and whatnot. Yeah, she really is the one character who he can turn to uh, before mm-hmm. anybody. I don't think anyone's as close to him as Masato is, so that's nice. So, in a way, Seven does kind of close the first yeah. arc. Yep. Yeah. And uh, then Asuka. And then we find... And then Asuka. And then, as little Karibo once said, Asuka shows up and the show finally gets good. <laughs> Which I don't agree <laughs> with necessarily, but I think it's a really funny thing to say. 
Yeah, I think the show's always been really high quality, but uh I think this is when the show gets exciting. Is <laughs> the right it, way to put it, it. It does. It does. It gets exciting. Cuz I don't think there like Ava, Ava this era of Ava, this middle era is almost defined by like slapstick comedy a little bit, which is interesting. Um like uh Oscar's very first appearance in this episode you usually have like the opening credits people are sitting around they're talking you see an establishing star of the city whatever this one opens with like oscar flashing some boys and then slapping them and that's the opening title card and that yeah that kind of sets the tone for the whole episode really <laughs> it sets the whole tone for the uh next arc of the show really pretty so. much magma diver and dance like you want to win are also both extremely uh slaps goofy episodes goofy yeah. episodes yeah and one of them's good i'm just kidding <laughs> and, and only yeah that's the thing is that uh this one's fine oscar strikes is good um oscar strikes is good yeah it, it, i this is also where kaji gets introduced as mm-hmm. uh a way to shake up misato's dynamic in the adult world so yes. So Asuka, Asuka uh, obviously doesn't affect Misato as much because, you know, like Asuka's just there to sort of be another kid for her to be a guardian for. But she's not plussed by her at all. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. Yeah, she's just like, ah, girls be girls. That's kind she's of like, like Misato's yeah, attitude. Did, she seems to really struggle with Shinji, but with Asuka, she'll just be like, Asuka, do this. And then Asuka will whine. She'll be like, well, you're doing it anyway. <laughs> she'll walk away. She won't even like listen to her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess she knows how to handle Asuka a little more. And uh, But Kaji is kind of the big thing that disrupts her, you know, yeah. um, dynamic. So... Yeah, they don't touch too much, except for completely inappropriate, very dated jokes about Kaji asking if Shinji's sleeping with Masato. You don't really get a strong sense of their relationship in this episode, but it is the beginning of it, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we... Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Editing this is going to be fun. (laughs) We... Uh, we know that uh, Kaji is uh, is has some secret plot going on. Yes, in here. So, um, this also he's continues. Got, sorry, he's got the Adam case, the case with Adam in it, and it he's his mission is to deliver it to Gendo Akari. It, it, uh, it kind of uh, bookends nicely with the last episode where we saw that Gendo and Ritsuko were conspiring together. Now we know that. Kaji and Gendo are conspiring together, but we don't know why or how. Gendo is conspiring with a lot of people except Masato. Um, <laughs> That's true. Uh, but Kaji, uh, he has this Adam embryo in this suitcase, and actually, that's the reason why the angel attacks the ship specifically, yes. because uh, every time an angel attacks, is for a motivated reason. You know, the other angels were trying to get to Lilith at the uh, bottom of, of of Terminal Dogma, Central Dogma. And uh, here, the angel is trying to get the Adam embryo from the suitcase. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of interesting how the angels are after something and they're very specifically yeah. motivated to acquire it. Like, um, but yeah, that's sort of the key reason why... Uh, it attacks the ship. 
It's a nice um, change of pace too, because we get to go to a different setting. It's not just the same uh, urban landscape. Uh, yes, the ocean. It's the ocean with the ships and the sea captain. <laughs> is yeah. You know, and this is you know, it's kind of interesting as well because if you've seen Anno's previous work, uh, Nadia's Secret of Blue Water, this is almost like an homage to that setting because we were on right. a uh, the Nautilus in there, which was like a a submarine that surfaced a lot and so you'd be on, on top of the water like this feels very yes- similar i read yesterday when i was doing research that the, the character design for the admiral is actually from nausicaa or not nausicaa sorry nadia yeah 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 i would say it's it's there's definitely a character that uh, sort of evokes him um which is captain nemo yeah in in nadia and captain nemo was like a takes no takes no uh smack and will smack young girls when they're (laughs) stepping out of line uh the the best uh, actually in the show (laughs) yes oh good um he uh so nadia is this um very obnoxious vegan character and i'm i'm allowed to say that being a vegan myself uh but she's just like i can't believe that people would eat animals it's just the worst and she goes around just preaching to everyone about how veganism is great. Uh, and and then uh, she gets her life saved uh, when a Nazi, uh, essentially a Nazi, comes and tries to kill her. And uh, she gets saved by Captain Nemo, who shoots him. And she goes, ah, oh, you killed a Nazi? That's so unvegan of you. I can't believe you'd do that. <laughs> and like, you better uh, not eat him. And, and this and this guy was trying to murder her in this scene, and uh, and then you know she's she, principled, okay? She, she sticks to her principles no matter what. And Nadia calls them all like awful and and basically says you're an idiot and I hate you. And then she gets like slapped across the face by Captain Nemo and uh, me and uh, and my husband who were watching it we uh, we screamed with. Uh, with joy when she got slapped so uh the the show really uh the show really brings out the inner misogynist in you it really does it, it's uh, oscar is essentially nadia 2.0 because uh it's a very similar she gets slapped what no 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 she has a she has a very like you know kind of uh out there attitude like in japan women are encouraged to be very reserved and asuka and nadia are both extremely outspoken characters uh and very rambunctious kind of deal but asuka is far more tolerable (laughs) than nadia ever was uh asuka seems to be nadia with the the really uh obnoxious edges kind of shaved away and i don't think people really? appreciate that yeah i don't think people appreciate that until they watch nadia that's the funny thing oh yeah exactly oscar <laughs> is the tone down <laughs> there's uh, the main character of nadia his name is jean and he's basically kensuke and so kensuke is the main character oh of nadia and uh and and nadia just it's it's like if you paired up Asuka and Kensuke. I, I wonder if that would ever happen in the future. But anyway, um, so Asuka, oh, yeah. uh, Asuka's equivalent, Nadia, she just goes, Nadia goes like, You're such an idiot, Sean. I can't believe you. I can't believe that you'd eat meat. 
and be a man. Like, I hate the fact that you're male. <laughs> and then she just, like, constantly, like... And, and Jean, you know, being Kensuke is just really reserved. And he's not even, like, uh, you know, pervy or anything like that. He's just a... Uh, He's just this really meek, kind of shy, nerdy kid who builds stuff to save their lives constantly. And she's just like, I can't believe your invention sucks, Sean. You suck. And she just constantly rags on him the whole show. So what you're saying is, Anno has just been making the same series and story over and over and over again throughout his career. Well, the funny thing is, is that Nadia was originally composed by Hayao Miyazaki, uh, the tele- It was supposed to be um, exactly pretty much like Castle in the Sky, which was a Miyazaki film. Uh, okay. And and it was supposed to be the TV series uh, of, of like Castle in the Sky. But then that mm-hmm. was rejected and he'd go on to make Castle in the Sky, which took a lot of the ideas that would be used in Nadia and essentially made it work in a film uh, kind of setting. And uh, Anno picked up that pitch that sort of failed pitch and then ran with it and made the show and so in a weird way there is this like connection between the Miyazaki legacy even further than just him animating for Miyazaki and so like Asuka is loosely related to Shida from Castle in the Sky which is very interesting as well there is this sort of you know thread that runs through the legacy uh, and we're seeing a reinvention of a Miyazaki concept through Asuka, but Miyazaki would pretty much, uh, you know, he makes sort of outspoken, rambunctious kind of uh, women characters, but none that are so, that deal with like teenage girl drama. Like Miyazaki idealizes women in this way that isn't authentic a lot of the time. Uh, Like if you watch like Porco Rosso, um, there is a, redheaded kind of like outspoken sassy girl boss uh character but she has no dimensionality beyond being kind of like this perfect idealized woman woman in Miyazaki's mind of like hard working and uh take you know take charge and Asuka comes in and she's very much that same kind of character but uh deconstructed to the point where it's like she has inner turmoil and uh, and a psychological reason for her behavior. There's like a there's an origin point for the character and the reason why she acts the way she does. So I just think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the angel of this episode, incidentally, we brought up the angel of each episode as we watch them is Gagiel. Gagiel. It's probably like it's probably the Hebrew like Gagiel. <laughs> Gag me with a spooniel. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and uh he's the angel of the fish so that's oh, very fitting. very fitting yeah um yeah. very fishing <laughs> he's not my favorite uh you don't really get a very good look at him but he, he's kind of cool in that he moves differently uh than a lot of the other and he's not just a bipedal uh you know frankenstein thing marching through the city mm-hmm. uh, yeah so he's, he's interesting I don't know. The way they beat him is very extravagant. Probably the most extravagant way they beat an angel in this, in the show, I think. 
uh, with the unit going into the water yeah, and them using it as using bait. The, <laughs> and then from the and, ships to fire point blank range into its mouth while they're holding the mouth open. And yeah, which is a Jaws tribute, incidentally, if you've ever seen the which original Jaws. Huh. Yeah. So in the original Jaws, they defeat the shark by put you know um, using a torpedo and kind of like well it's it's more like a a gas canister full of air and they kind of uh, explode it and then it drives it into their mouth and yeah it's it's basically the same thing uh, it's it's sort of interesting how uh, I think yeah Enokita wrote this episode too so Enokita wrote seven and eight uh, with Ano. Uh, so he must be like a film buff or something. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some film tributes here. I don't know if Anno would be thinking about Jaws. He's more of like somebody who'd be like, I'm thinking about uh, Gundam about or Macross. So. Or writing <laughs> but... a story about that time I stayed in my room for four days and thought about things. That's more like Anno. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, I don't associate... I mean, Anno loves film, that this is true. But and he he even says he prefers film as a medium over animation, which is kind of sad. But it's a uh, but a lot of his uh, tributes always tend to be very animation centric and oriented. So I think that maybe it might have been Enokita who put in the Jaws reference, but it's a I think uh, largely when it says that a script was written by a writer and Ano Ano would do the final draft. But I think largely for most of them. It means the other person wrote it, and Anno just like, yes. It up I definitely agree. It's not mostly Anno, so because yeah. um, um, they have very distinct feels. If you watch an Anno, yeah, episode, the styles. Are... This is a an Akita. I can I can't. Really, he doesn't write enough that I have like a a clear um, grasp on what his style is or what he what he writes about. But like Satsukawa, for sure, I can I can identify how he builds an episode, and we'll talk about that when we get to the next one. Um. Any other thoughts on this one? Anything that made you laugh? Anything that you thought was a cool shot? Uh... Anything that made me laugh, made me cry, uh, cry a lot, uh, cry, 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 uh, <laughs> salty <laughs> tears. Salty tears. <laughs> because the or ocean. laughed until you cried. <laughs> um, I do like cry. the entrance for Unit 2. I like the, with the cape on when it's jumping from point to point the kind of super uh superman moment that's that's really neat um which which by the way kind of ties into eoe like leaping out of the the lake going straight upwards which is something oscar yeah. really likes to do in her triumphant entrance i, I think so unit two gets to be a little bit more superhuman than unit one does a lot of the time yeah it's it's definitely supposed to showcase that oscar is this really competent uh, pilot but the funny thing is is that it also builds in the fact that Asuka's never really succeeded on her own which mm -hmm. is a funny thing because she always wants to be just the yeah. best and uh, like solo and like I don't need anyone else kind of deal like I can do this on my own and already we have like Shinji kind of coming in to help her out and whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. so we're setting up that kind of core conflict, that core problem that she has where, uh, for her own ego to feel her own sense of self, she needs to succeed Validation. on her own, but won't, Validation. she can't. Yes. Um, she uses being a pilot as like her entire identity where Shinji definitely doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely. in this kind of way. 
and that that's another thing is that Shinji brings uh, Toji and Kensuke, his friend unit, and yeah. How do you feel about Toji and Kensuke just hanging out in this episode? I think it's <laughs> good because uh, it really tone. it yeah, and uh, it establishes that Shinji really has like a friend unit. You know, he has like a found family, which ties into the last episode, right? And uh, uh, and now it's being kind of invaded by this. Uh, Wacky. This nasty girl ew yeah <laughs> i was i was gonna say this wacky ava pilot but you know sure ew. <laughs> so, uh, girl i also think it's really fun that she makes shinji kind of cross-dress which like she basically directly Twice in a uh, row. <laughs> she basically directly like challenges his masculinity constantly so yes. that's it's like i'm gonna force shinji she's a dominant character and she's going to force shinji into more of a uh or try to force shinji into a secondary role and and uh humiliate him and demasculate while constantly telling him, him to man up yeah well it, which is which is really funny yeah exactly yeah. so she's uh, constantly emasculating him and also telling him why don't you add more manly <laughs> which which is i think i think when this character was introduced it's essential in the way that Ray is the idealized Japanese woman kind of made parody of mm-hmm. uh where you have this like stoic like clean you know uh like stoic should be cleanly kind of like housekeeper kind of woman that's the ideal and Anno has been like mocking that constantly because he makes all like slums. this all yeah the he, all of slums. them <laughs> and and Asuka is kind of this um you know character that uh takes no shit and will humiliate you and is a dominatrix kind of character ultimately uh and i think it's it's kind of funny that he's really saying like there is no perfect ideal woman you know that our idea of the ideal woman is flawed to begin with except for mary (laughs) but but no like i think it's good because it's like how how do you exist in a you know there is no perfect girlfriend kind of character and you just have to sort of get along with with the the flawed flawedness of like others you know i think it takes the harem paradigm that a lot of anime had at the time like denji muyo and um, even inuyasha and even stuff like that where there were multiple female characters and not only does it um showcase how imperfect they are and how unavailable they are it also showcases their own perspectives so we're talking about episode seven we're talking about jet alone that masada was the one with the perspective in that episode she's the one driving even though she's not actually the one driving the plot she's the one driving the plot from beat to beat her agency is what's uh getting us through that story mm-hmm. yeah and this episode is the same it's it's oscar's agency uh that is really dry and masato's too masato is constantly butting heads with the sea captain and telling him i i'm in control i'm gonna do this and then without even being prompted she's just like okay this is my operation now and i'm doing this which you don't even see nowadays in a in a way that's like effective i think in a lot of stories in film and and uh, like genre genre fiction yeah 
Girl boss, taking names, taking charge. Well, it's not even about her being a girl at all, which is also cool, I don't think. I don't think it's about her being no, a girl. No, I don't. In the last episode, it was, because he says that thing about you hysterical women or whatever. The one guy, the rival guy who made Jen alone is like, you you hysterical women, you don't know what you're doing. He says something like that. I think it's kind of funny, because you'd sort of see that uh, that sort of character who puts down the female character... Uh, even later on in shows like Avatar Last Airbender, which uh, has been stated n- a number of times to have taken influence from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. And you have like I mean, that uh, anyway, yeah. season one finale of that guy who's like sexist to Katara. And you see that like, this is like one of, I'm sure, no, it definitely is an archetype, but this is like the oldest example that I can think of, of, uh, of doing this type of thing. Um, and I'm sure it's been done before. Um, yeah, I'm and there's, say. <laughs> but it's just kind of fun. That it is. It's, 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 here. A, it's a very um, uh, good example, I guess. <laughs> I can't think of a more profound word, but that's all I got. Good example. It's a good example of the trope. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, especially it's just appropriate here because it deals with the whole show deals with like men and women and kind of like yeah misogyny yeah. and, and, and sexism certainly in this episode they show the, the key contrast kaji masato asuka shinji yeah mm-hmm. are we ready for are we ready the next for my episode? favorite episode from the first probably from the first 18 i think this is my favorite um it's not called mind like you want to win matching but... moment triple m dance like you want to win win like you dance a lot so what is that the title it's mind matching moment yeah mind matching moment yeah um which also dance like you want to win uh every episode has two titles it doesn't matter what you call it so and that title card the title i think there's two titles and the second title card always plays halfway through the episode i think it's more like an act it's almost like the title cards in fraser a really weird example where each act kind of had a title card to tell you what the next act was going to be about (laughs) it's kind of like that um and this episode was written by Hideaki Anno and not Yoshi Enokido, I'm looking at the wrong notes, and Akio Satsukawa, my boy! Akio Satsukawa, creator of the Gilgamesh anime. And writer of like ten episodes of this show. <laughs> because I forgot some last time. He wrote like eleven episodes of the show. And it was direct so- oh sorry. It was directed oh, no. by Seiji Mitsushima. And this Seiji only... Mitsushima! Yes! Do you know him? Yeah, I do. Okay, yeah, I think he's, he's famous for a lot of other stuff he's done. This is the only episode he ever directed. Um, yeah. Seiji Mitsushima is the uh, creator slash uh, head project manager on Fullmetal Alchemist 2003. Oh, so. I know. I think I saw that. He directed episode 25 in particular, I believe, of Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, well, no, he was, like, the showrunner of FMA03. Oh, okay. like, oh, interesting. He's the guy that, yeah, really, really drove that series. Um, uh, so that's a, uh, that's kind of fun. Um, cool. There's t- connections. Connections. The, a- the Ava alumni are always, like, really interesting people, to be honest. They are. They, they stick around a lot, because uh, in Akito, he wrote rebuild 
I think he was a co-writer on every part of the rebuild as well. So, <laughs> um, Yoji Enokido also helped uh, do like uh, Fully Cooly. Um, yes, yeah, I think he's a Gainax staple. And as yeah. is Satsukawa. I believe Satsukawa worked on Nadia. I don't think he worked on Fully Cooly. I think by that point he'd gone off to do his own stuff. I'm pretty sure that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, but I we love open this episode. Up, we open up Dance Like You Wanna Win with Asuka being like objectified by the male uh, cohort. And she's really popular, but doesn't yeah. accept the advances of anyone so we're kind of leaning into her characterization as somebody who uh is really she's achieving what she wants which is to get a lot of attention and rejecting everyone who uh wants to be in total control who is yeah yeah it's like she's the kind of person who toji and kensuke would take pictures of in secret and she'd kind of be into it which is uh, (laughs) messed up but yeah uh, and and then we get the uh, the one of the most fun kind of hooks of the episode, I think, which is what the heck is going to happen when yes. an unstoppable force meets an <laughs> immovable object, and that's a uh, Oscar's first interaction with Ray, which is really really fun. <laughs> it's really great. I love any time Oscar and Ray have a scene together. It only happens a handful of times, but they're always great scenes. Yeah, um, you know, there's this uh, YouTuber who is just like, none of the character interaction is fun to watch in Ava, which I think is absurd because you have stuff like this where yeah. uh, you put two characters that have, that are like really out there and extreme characters and opposites in a lot of ways. And then you put them together and see what happens. And it's uh, it's definitely, I remember when um, I showed, I think I think it was either you or another friend, but they when when um <laughs> when Oscar came up to Ray, the first reaction was, "Oh no!" <laughs> it might have been me. I think yeah. it was the elevator scene, though. I remember having a very strong reaction to when she walked in the elevator. I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I remember that. It might have been that. Um, but. Uh... <laughs> I think I think this uh this entire episode is is full of of really fun kind of character dynamics and interactions, because uh, you get to see also Misato and Asuka interact in a way that they didn't in the previous one. Yeah, which we're is... setting up the the dynamic that's going to occur for these characters for the next you know uh, whatever's left twenty episodes. Yeah, um, we also get to see. Uh, sort of Kaji interacting with Ritsuko, so there's just a lot of like fun introductions here. Yeah, um, Kaji's a serial, <laughs> a serial sexual assaulter. He just walks a, a womanizer, yes, womanizer. I, I mean, it's different. They're old friends, honestly. I think it's different when you're old friends with somebody. It's not. She's not just some random woman. Well, also he was before. he was doing it to to just get a rise out of uh, Misato and Ritsuko is just and 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 Ritsuko is just like oh okay. yeah you so uh, so how's it going Kaji like how's lunch and I how's think that's life? like really funny <laughs> so <laughs> she knows it's like it's she it's knows, uh yeah. it's not serious and whatnot <laughs> which I think is funny exactly. yeah. Um, so, as a rare, uh, because 
uh, I was going to say, I just wanted to establish quickly how Akio Satsukawa structures an episode because I talked about that a little bit before. Usually what Satsukawa does is he will create a core tension for whatever the episode is. There'll be a, uh, it'll be a Masato Shinji story. It'll be a Kaji Masato story. It'll be something like that. That the core conflict here is obviously Asuka Shinji. And usually he waits until the like kind of critical moment to introduce the angel because the angel is an external representation of whatever the internal conflict is between the two characters. Uh, tell me if I'm talking too fast here. <laughs> no, you're good. And uh, so what happens in this episode, though, is they in he introduces the angel immediately at the beginning of the story and then works to kind of unravel the sort of conflict between Asuka and Shinji, and then when that reaches its critical moment is when the angel returns. So it's kind of interesting that it, it it's structured very differently than some of his other episodes are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so we we because it's almost like it's a comedy episode, so we're not it's not uh it's not too serious. The the relationship between Shinji and Asuka is almost a a parody of of uh, a tense relationship. Like Shinji and Asuka's uh, issues are so ridiculous, like they're arguing about nothing all the time, that it's almost comedic. Whereas his his conflict with Ray was very serious, and he was trying to connect with his father. Yes. Yeah. The show is very different tonally from the first seven episodes at yes. this point. So I mean, Shinji also right. is a. Uh gets into that uh hilarious uh it looks like a richard simmons outfit throughout most of this episode <laughs> I was gonna say, is, it's kind of, he's kind of cross-dressed <laughs> a little bit not really yeah, it's, but it's a far cry from <laughs> from the town of the first seven from his salary so, man outfit that he's always wearing yeah <laughs> this is an exploration of identity of, you know yeah well it's it's them them, them meeting halfway and neither wanting to i think is what the sort of core of this story is yeah um i don't know why, i don't know why Ken, kensuke and toji have this like reaction to shinji like you've betrayed our entire gender what have you done i don't know why there's that, <laughs> such an extreme reaction to him wearing, oh and they like, see him in the richard top. simmons outfit yeah <laughs> a richard simmons outfit richard simmons has like <laughs> glitter on his outfits it's like a, a proper tank top i don't know his belly is usually hanging out that's what i think when i think of richard simmons <laughs> but this is i don't know that's the closest analog i know so. it's, it's fair enough fair enough it, it, they do beat the angel in this episode through ddr which is pretty impressive and i don't think ddr was really big in the west yet I think it took it about another half a decade or so until we really had DDR here, so it's kind of fun to see it here. Yeah. Um, also, uh, this is the episode where Shinji gets a glimpse into Asuka's main trauma, her, like, psychological yes. wounds, where uh, he goes into her, her... Basically, she comes into his bedroom... And lays mm. down next to him, and he tries to make an advance to kiss her, and she says, you know, mama, mm -hmm. which uh, is kind of like one of her core driving factors as a character is her uh, desire to be loved and attended 
by her her mother who neglected her so and and actively you know in a way wished her death and uh and so it's kind of like we get some insight all the way early on here in episode nine to that specifically you know It, it really is oscar's first story i think almost yeah, um, even more so than Asuka Strikes, which was more, more so about characterizing Strikes. her, and now we're going in the second episode more into yeah. like foreshadowing the and larger uh, core issues. So it's, it's something Satsukawa is so good at. I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm, ra- um, I'm louding <laughs> Akio Satsukawa. That's not the right word. I'm praising Akio Satsukawa maybe too much, but he he's just really good at writing these internal internal struggles. I love that the climax of this episode is not are they going to beat the angel that's that's kind of perfunctory they just they just have a dance number and they and they beat it they just, it just kind of follows through the real climax the real moment of crisis is uh oscar gets into shinji's bed that's the real moment of crisis in this episode it's kind of interesting and that sort of also ties into the very end as well where you know, Asuka baits him. And... Yeah, she... <laughs> Shinji plays himself. <laughs> He's played like a damn fiddle. He's played so... like a damn fiddle. <laughs> How do you feel about the um, Kaji in and Masato in the elevator scene? Because that's something <laughs> that a lot of people who watch the show now uh, get pretty uncomfortable with. <laughs> I, I, again, she knows him. It's not okay for him to do it, but she they have a prior relationship, so it's not that he's he, he is being inappropriate, obviously. She should tell him to get lost. But um I mean and obviously the phrase your your lips say no, but your eyes say yes. That, that, that's, not, that's not consent, guys. That's not what consent is. But but it, it, it's it's interesting to watch her be so uncomfortable around someone she has a prior relationship with in that way, I guess. Um, I don't know how to say so, this without sounding like a, a pig, so I'm not going to go any further. But. Misato is specifically resisting uh, Kaji's advances, not because she doesn't love him, because she very much does. But one of the reasons is that she feels like it's somehow validating her father in her mind like kaji reminds her very heavily of of her of her dad and she's rejecting him because she's worried about what that means like the broader implications of being in love with someone that reminds her of uh of her father who was sort of a uh uh, neglectful and abusive in his own way it's implied so it's kind of like it's not that kaji is those things he's not but his like his personality apparently is supposed to be similar, which I think uh, is interesting because maybe it gives us insight into uh, Masato's father and her larger family too, and the way yeah. that Kaji I do, behaves. I do want to cover those. Ep- I want to cover both those episodes because there's two, maybe even three. We'll go more in depth more. into it when yeah, that happens, but it is definitely like start, you know, putting the pieces that down for incidentally, uh, those Satsukawa lovers were... who longed for others' kisses and thus yes. invited them. Both of those thusly. episodes, 
So. I remember what's called the Sahak Wheel episode. And those who long for uh, those women who long for the touch of others and thus invited their kisses, that's the other one, were both written by Satsukawa. So he obviously has a really good beat, I think, on Misato. I think he's he's got her characterization. He knows how to write her internal conflict extremely well, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um that Ray Oscar scene really has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. It's kind of a, a, a essential scene, but it's really uh, no, no, that's not true. I'm I'm full of it. Never mind. I forgot. I was going to mention this. Masato, another example of Masato knowing exactly how to handle Asuka when Asuka is like refusing to do it and she's saying, well, I won't do it. And she's like, oh, so we're not going to do it then? She's like, yeah, you can't do it without me. And she's just like, Ray, can you go do it? <laughs> yeah, like, she gets... She knows she exactly gets how to, to handle it. her. <laughs> yeah, because like Ray and Shinji's temperament uh they're they're temperamentally like very very similar you know mm-hmm. so yeah. uh he's kind of reserved and and quiet and shy and ray is just the extreme of that um shinji kind of exists between ray and asuka because i think bit, that yeah. a lot of the psychological wounds that asuka has are very similar to shinji but uh ray's temperament is very similar to shinji yeah. and so he kind of exists in the in-between realm, but uh, for this instance, I definitely see why he would be able to more sync up with Ray. Uh, they have like rapport at this point they rapport, working together. They had a whole episode about it, of them coming together. The whole Ray two-parter has happened at this point. So yeah, and so Misato's like, no, she knows that, and she's using it against Asuka to motivate yeah, Asuka but, to. But... That's get what along more is like she yeah. knows exactly how to manipulate Asuka. You think you're so special? Well, <laughs> which will maybe cause problems later. But they don't they don't do that too much unfortunately, but it's mostly just a little gag with Asuka calling her names and saying, "Oh, you're so perfect." But she has all these comments about her. But that's Do you have any uh, other things that you want to talk about with this episode? Um it's just so much fun. I love the score. I love the, I love the the montages because there's two montages in this episode, which I don't think they've done a montage up to this point, and I don't think they really ever do a montage again. But just the... dun, 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 yeah, and yeah. Uh, the workout montage. Da, 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 da. Okay, remind me. I watched this on Netflix. Was did they have to take out a music track there, or did they use um, peaceful? Day? Did they always use peaceful? Peaceful Days, Peaceful Times, whatever it's called. Did they always use that for that montage? I think they did, I, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they had to replace that music. So. This is, yeah, this is not a musical replacement. There are some weird Netflix musical replacements in the pilot uh, and in with Fly Me to the Moon. But other than that, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not aware of there being anything else. Yeah, it's just Fly Me to the Moon, right? It's not, nothing else they had to replace. Okay. Well, there's, there's just like uh, the timing of the music is wrong in episode one for some reason mm-hmm. it comes in and it's not like the japanese blu-ray either but yeah it comes in like a good like 30 seconds late or something like that uh for one of the music tracks which is very strange but yeah uh apart from that not too many issues yeah i really i watch i watched this dubbed um did i watch this one dubbed? i don't remember i watched one of them i watched the other two dubbed at least um, and I really liked the Oscar actress, the English, uh, I don't think Evangelion adapts very well into English just because of the, the social mores and the cultural aspect. Uh, I think it's hard to write. 
in a in an English context. But I thought the actress who played Oscar was really good. I don't I, not that anyone else is bad or anything in either dub, but I just I thought she really uh, had a good be- beat on the character and had the right energy for it. So that was cool. FYI, this is the imper- impenetrable wall of Jericho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has good energy. Um, I don't always love the script. I don't always love the script. Uh, yeah, the script is honestly too literal at times. I recall, like, in the English dub, uh, Misato says in episode two, Yes, Shinji, go take a bath. Baths are the washing machine of life. Yeah, and, like, it's just the strangest line. And uh, uh, it's it's very literal, but I'm pretty sure she just says something in the original ADV dub that's just like, go take a bath, it's relaxing, K, or something like that. So <laughs> it's a, uh, it's just yeah. something a lot simpler and less, uh, less Japanese. <laughs> less, awkward. less awkward, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else. That's pretty much it I, I do like Fusey's little cameo at the beginning where he's embarrassed it's like the only bit of characterization he shows in 26 episodes that he's embarrassed about this battle with I never said what the angel was never said it this angel I don't even have to look it up is called Irsfiel and he's the angel of dance <laughs> hey so, they did their research y'all they did their research they did their the angels, research they know their mean- angelic lore yeah (laughs) they craft they cracked open that uh probably a lot of books i was gonna say wikipedia but then i was just like that didn't (laughs) exist so (laughs) they're dial up they're like ah we're on ava geeks what's ava geeks (laughs) it just had ava geeks back then before ava even existed um yeah so never say that the christian mythos is completely uh is completely random or uh non-researched and has no parallels it's not a christian story it's not meant to evoke a christ narrative even if it maybe does in certain aspects that was not no it's like it's like in the the same way that somebody would use it's 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 the same way that disney's hercules uses greek mythology basically yeah it's exactly (laughs) it's exactly like that or or like how norse mythology is used in i don't know elden ring or something so it's it's just very uh yeah very kind of fantastic fantasy it's it's kind of treating it like like it's like a fantasy thing, yeah, which I yeah. think is fine for another culture to do. So, yeah. uh, God, you know, God forbid, you know, Avatar: Lost Airbender uses a lot of Asian, like kind of. We do. Yeah. It's based. Yeah, it's basically. I mean, I think I forget who it was. One of one of the directors. It might have. It might have been Mizushima. I don't remember who it was actually. But um, yeah, they said that like yeah, it's it's so exotic in Japan because like the population is like zero point zero five percent Christian or something in Japan. So it's just a, yeah, they just get married like Christians basically. Foreign, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's episode nine. That's one of my favorites. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, any final thoughts? Um, I'm gonna go get my dance moves on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna dance like I want to win. Okay, me too. I'm, we're gonna go dance like we want to win. Uh, <laughs> next time we'll be covering. Um, I'm not sure. We'll we'll figure it out. Probably either Day Tokyo Three stood still, or maybe. Oh no, we'll do Magma Diver. We have to do Magma Diver, don't we? Uh, okay, fine. We'll do Magma <laughs> Diver. 
It expanded. <laughs> if I rub my breasts, will it no. expand? <laughs> I about the ending, but yeah, that too. Just two great moments in Evangelion. Iconic. Iconic. That's... Look forward to it. Yeah, I'm going to also talk about my mother's reaction as I showed her yes. this TV, sh- my TV series. This yeah, uh, I did. <laughs> I, I watched all of Evangelion with my mom when I was a teenager, and uh, she had a very interesting reaction to Magma Diver, which I will go into more when we discuss it then. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Bye. <laughs>